Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to another week. Yes, we hope you had a wonderful weekend, wonderful time uh, getting into the fall weather, which in Atlanta, it's, it's turned crisp quite quickly here. Yes, um, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was kind girl, of tough to bring up, put on a heavier coat, you know, this girl, week. Girl, I had to, have my, had to have my, uh, my uh, heat serviced today because I was just like, girl, I don't want to be, <laughs> and like I have to get the heat turned on and stuff. I was like debating, should I turn on my heat or not? Yes. Um, but I, I had a service today just in case. But <laughs> That's it's, it's, good. yeah, it's supposed to dip down to like the 50s, 40s soon. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. God, I'm, I am not prepared. But anyway, <laughs> that was that was the only thing exciting that really happened to me, um, except, you know, doing some community service stuff over the weekend. But other than that, what about you? Um, it was a good week and a good weekend. Um, my son did receive his second vaccination, my 12-year-old, which is okay. super cool. So he's vaccinated. So just, you know, reminding everyone out there, you know, if you have that opportunity to mm-hmm. just go ahead and get yourself vaccinated. You know, we did lose Colin Powell this week. Yes. May he yes. rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what a loss to the community. But I did hear, like, some people, like, kind of buzzing about, oh, well, he had the vaccine. So if he died anyway, then what's the point? So I just <sighs> remind everyone that Colin Powell was number one, 84 years old. Mm-hmm. He had prostate cancer. So the yes. man had prostate cancer. And he was also living with Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. So he was just immune immunocompromised in so many mm-hmm. ways and he was elderly so yeah mm-hmm. um don't use his death as kind of justification for if you're on the fence why you're not going to get it so that's just kind of some you know little advice just you know protect yourself Brand i totally season, totally agree winter season yeah mm-hmm. yes i totally agree I, I think people are using his um death as an excuse like well look at colin powell yeah he had he got vaccinated he still died i'm like y'all the man was old yeah you know he was already had cancer parkinson's and who knows what else so yes yes so please 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 get vaccinated i'm Mm. probably gonna get my booster um very very soon so um because mm-hmm. I have a myriad of health issues myself, mm-hmm. um, one of them being high blood pressure, and I need yeah. to get get another uh, booster shot. So, um, yeah, yeah, please, please, please be aware, be safe. Not only that, flu season is coming around too. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Uh, we got a lot of things going on right now. So, not to harp on that, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But people need to know. Yes. Um, so. Anyway, last week we had a good uh, episode. We had an interview with uh, Kenya Wright. We talked about her books and everything. Kenya, her new book, Naked Sushi, drops next week. And so I hope you all pick that up. We had an amazing interview with her. Um, in Hot Topics, we talked about Tamar. <laughs> talking about um, she not going half on no dinner. <laughs> Oh, uh, but you know what? I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I agree with Tamar, and it's Word. so funny. I I ran across this guy's TikTok. His name is I'm trying to remember it. Sincere underscore Lotto or something like that. <laughs> um, and the name is silly, but he's a very attractive young man. But he was saying, you know, I I don't. Please put your wallet away. I pay for everything. You don't have to drive. I drive everywhere. You know, um, he's talking about things that he does as a as a partner. Uh-huh. You know, I you don't have to have you know a car. I drive everywhere. You don't have to have the 
the best looking house or a place to live, you know, who knows if we stay together, yeah. you know, we may get a better place to live together, you know, yeah. and all yeah. this stuff. And all the men in the comments were like, oh, he was simp. You know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, you know, maybe, he maybe. sounds like the average guy that I date who does those things. I would just caution him about putting that out there because, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to leave. Sometimes women will be attracted to you only for those things mm-hmm. whereas you know mm-hmm. you meet a guy and you're equally yoked and he brings those things to the table and you bring your you own. know nowadays <laughs> guys kind of use that as a way to lure women into their web so i don't even know if that he's but you know given i would hope the brother his name is sincere lotto I hope he is sincere <laughs> about what he, about what oh, he's saying. Oh, but anyway, we talked <laughs> also so about um, Dave Chappelle and um, his kind of comments toward the trans community and his lack of intersectionality regarding sexuality and things of that nature. I don't want to harp on that too much, um, but we did, you know, kind of like not agree with a lot of things Dave said. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, reading romance, I told y'all to pick up Quarantine and Chill and Naked Sushi by Kenya Wright. And in listening romance, I shouted out the Black Romance Podcast with Julie Moody Freeman. Um, again, she works at the Center for Black Diaspora at DePaul University, where she does study uh, romance uh, writers. As a matter of fact, they have an anthology coming out about Black Love Matters, and that's dropping. I oh, think. Nice. I think in January, I'm not mistaken, I just got the arc for it, and it has amazing essays by a whole bunch of people that we all know and love, Jasmine Guillory, Beverly Jenkins, all these other uh, writers, so you all be on the lookout for that, too. Awesome. Um, And in Watching Romance, um, we talked about Advice to Love with Brooke Starnell and Aaron Westbrook. Did you get a chance to watch that? I did watch it. It, it was, was so enjoyable. It, it was really cute. I really, really liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I they were they had a nice chemistry. I hadn't Very seen actress chemistry. before, even though I know she was in a number of things because I looked her up afterward. Mm-hmm. But um, she was cute, and he was wonderful. You know, I I'm a fan of his from some of the Christmas movies we've seen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was a nice story. I it really was a nice it. story too. My yeah. only complaint is since wig was bad, it was a bad wig girl. I don't know what her with the bangs and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I I wasn't. She looked cute when they went to like do the rope climbing and the karate and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that looks so much more natural. A wig with bangs is just never cool. I mean, (laughs) bangs are hard to pull off anyway. They are real. They can be very cute. But a wig with bangs is just really a look that's hard to pull off. So that yeah, I agree. That was I think she already had kind of a long face, so it just made her look weird. Like aged her up a little yeah. bit more and yeah. it just elongated her face in a way that I just didn't yes. think was very flattering yes and yes. so um y'all Hallmark if you if you are listening please hire a black uh staff to do right. black people's hair or maybe it was a budget issue because remember um what <laughs> said that the wigs were so bad in his movie because of a budget issue yeah what, that's what true was that i can't remember oh my god oh, I the one where she the lawyer and stuff and she was representing you know the woman who was accused of killing her husband and all that stuff oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 and the, stuff the so i don't yeah. know what's up with bad wigs when you can get good wigs you can get cute realistic looking wigs from a beauty supply store they don't have to be 800 mm-hmm. lace mm-hmm. trust me i know yeah <laughs> 
that was also yeah. But yes, yeah, it was, it was yes. a cute movie. I really enjoyed it. I loved it too. Um, I loved it too. It was very, very good. But I cannot wait for the Christmas movies. We'll talk about that in the, in, in the uh, watching romance. Oh, I can't but wait. they start this weekend. Yes, I know. Yeah. I saw Tamara uh, during the breaks teasing her upcoming movie mm-hmm. that will be premiering soon. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what is in the hot topics in romance this week, Akina? I know we got some big uh, pregnancy announcement. Well, it seems like everybody's pregnant, but we're only talking about (laughs) one pregnancy announcement. There was just way too many. And (laughs) we're talking about Eve today. Yes. Very excited about our girl Eve. So Eve is our age. She's actually 42. It's always funny when someone comes out as a rapper, I never know their age. I either assume they're younger or older than me. I think I assumed she was Mm. older, but she's not. She's exactly 42. So Mm -hmm. as you guys probably know, she's been married to um, independently wealthy businessman Maximilian Cooper. um, And he has um, four teenage children who she has always enjoyed, you know, helping to, you know, raise and cause them her bonus children. But they'd been trying to get pregnant for some time. So Mm -hmm. they're pregnant now. They're kind of out of that danger zone. So she did just announce it this week. And she's just like really excited. She said, you have no idea how long we've been waiting for this blessing. Um, and she showed off her little bump on Instagram. She looks so cute. She looks so I was watching an interview or segments from an interview that she did recently on The Breakfast Club. And she was also, she was talking about how, I don't know if you guys watched the Versus with her and Trina that came on mm-hmm. um, like a month or so ago, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And, she, and it was kind of odd because... Trina, I I think she was in Miami, but um, Eve was still like in England or wherever, and she did it at a club in England. And, you know, this was when the pandemic was kind of not peaked and people were doing their verses together. So it was a little bit weird Mm -hmm. that she hadn't gone to you know, at least her hometown, Philly or Miami, you know, to join Eve. And so in the Breakfast Club interview, she basically was like she had just learned that she was pregnant, like super recently. And then the verses happened. So she said, like, her mind, even though to me, she did a really great performance. But she was like, her Mm -hmm. mind wasn't in it because she said she was so worried. Like she, she literally had just found out she's pregnant. And you know, she had a difficult time conceiving. She finally did. And she's like thinking all these like racing thoughts. Oh my God, you know, are my heels too high? Have I been standing too long? You know, like she's a first-time mom, mm-hmm. first time that she's going through this. Uh, you know, should I be shouting this loud? Should I be rapping? <laughs> you know, she was laughing at it. But you know, I I could relate because it is scary, and you it's don't know what scary. you should or shouldn't be doing. You know. So yeah, that that's really excited, exciting, and and I wish her the best on that pregnancy. And so stuff. happy for her. She's such a, a you know, yeah. unproblematic person. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Just yes. Nothing crazy ever come out about Eve. You know, she just you know get her money and rap low and do her acting, married. very low key, and yes. just doing her thing. I really miss her um, show. I used to love. I lo- show. I was just about to say, do you remember her little sitcom? <laughs> that was so it. cute. I it was only it. a couple of seasons, but it was yes, really it was, cute. It I enjoyed that a cute. lot. Yeah, with Jason George. So it was so, so cute. But, it was, yeah. But yeah, I hope she comes. Well, she's coming back with Queens. Remember that now. Yeah, I think on that ABC. premieres on um, Wednesday of this yeah, week. Yeah, it, it week. comes out. Yeah. It comes out Wednesday this That's week, a good so. cast. Mm-hmm. Detroit Norman and Brandy mm-hmm. and Eve. And I don't know the fourth woman, but it's a cool premise. So I'm going to definitely yeah. DVR that. Thanks for that reminder. Yeah, yeah. So that comes out. So shout out to Eve. But yeah, we shout out her. to Eve. She battled those infertility struggles and now they're pregnant. So that is definitely what's up. 
Um, and speaking of kind of happily ever afters, Monetta Shaw, we don't talk about her too much on the podcast, but you know, I've been a fan of hers, kind of got to know her during the Hollywood X's um, reality TV show that was on VH1 mm-hmm. several years ago. People probably knew her previously as Neo's um, ex. I don't think that they were ever married, but that was his ex. Nope. They share mm-hmm. two children, Madeline and Mason. She calls them her M&Ms. Madeline and Mason are 10 and 9 years old. So if you guys watched the reality show, basically um, she did share that, and then Neo kind of disagreed with this, but she did share that Neo asked her or maybe – hinted that she should get her tubes tied because it was just yeah. two of them happily ever after forever. So she did not only get them tied, but snipped or burnt or whatever the more permanent one is. Mm-hmm. For short, their relationship did not work out. He ended up remarrying or actually marrying for the first time a woman named Crystal and then went on to have two more children. So it just mm-hmm. kind of looked really dirty. And, you know, Neo, who always was known as kind of the nice guy, the, the singer, songwriter, he didn't like having that image of people kind of, you know, really coming at his neck, talking about you made her get a C, not a C-section. You know, you made her get her to yeah, side yeah, and then you divorced her or separated from her and went and remarried. So people really kind of, his nice guy image was smeared a little. But he said, no, I didn't make her do anything. And, you know, she later said, well, he didn't make me. And she kind of stopped talking about it. But I think we all kind of understood what it was. So I think anyway, he made her. But anyway, sure, I think exactly. he made him. Even if a man asks you, if you're in love with that man and he's like, we have our two, let's just... Um, when a woman is head over heels in love, sometimes we don't make mm-hmm. our judgment is not always the best. So no, he didn't no. hold a gun to her head. But anyway, yeah. however, so in her happily ever after, because Neil's been moved on with Crystal, and they've had their ups and downs. They've gone through public. We're getting a divorce, and then we're back together. They seem to be doing okay. But not too long ago, Monetta Shaw met a businessman named Heath Carter. And he's a CEO of his own companies. Um, and he has his own children, just as she has her own children. And she met him. He's a, a attractive, older-looking white guy. Kind of like okay. Maximilian Cooper, Eve's man. But attractive, kind of older-looking white guy. And she said that um, when they met, they just kind of had this instant connection. And she said that what she really fell in love with was how much he just adores his children and makes time for his children because she said you know he's a ceo of his companies but she would literally see him rearrange his schedules he'd have like a huge business deal on the table and he would say no i have to go see my daughter i have to make sure this is done i have to go to the kids baseball game Mm -hmm. and she said that was just a really attractive quality and it made her say oh my gosh you know I love the way that he loves his children. I love the mm. way that he loves my children, Madeline and Mason. Um, and I think this guy is the one. So he did kind of surprise her and propose to her one um, day a couple months ago. He proposed to her in front of her family and her friends. This was over the summer. And so she had shared in a, a very like happy, emotional post on Instagram. And everyone was like really, really excited. And so they did recently tie the knot. So she is just okay. over the moon. She's excited. Seems like she's found the one for her. So this is kind of an example of what we talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, kind of like that second, um, you know, love of your life. Mm. Second, you know, mm. one for her. So that's just like really wonderful and exciting. I'm happy that she found her happiness. She did say that her man, Heath, her husband, he did express, you know, he has two girls. 
and he kind of wants a boy. So she <laughs> said she's really kind of been thinking about what that would look like. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been discussing it. So she says she's open to it. She's getting older. She says she just turned 40. So she's a couple mm-hmm. years younger than us, but she says she wants to figure it out. So I don't know what that really looks like. I don't really know the science behind, you know, if you get your tubes tied, are you able to have your eggs extracted and have like an in vitro situation? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know yeah. from my boyfriend, he has had a vasectomy. However, he could extract sperm and we could do that. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially because I'm older anyway. Who knows if I could conceive naturally anymore. So yeah, I don't know if that would be an option for her, but it sounds like it's on the table. Um, And she's open to it, which is cool. But like she said, you know, she's not getting any younger, but she's definitely aware of that. And keep you guys posted on if that works out. But congrats to you, Moneta. Yes, congrats to her. So happy for you. Yeah, I have a question though. Where are the sisters meeting these fine white men? These <laughs> Where are they wealth, meeting these fine white men? <laughs> wealthy fine white uh, men. Like when know. I was out there in the streets, I, I, I said this on t- I said this on TikTok. When I was out there in the streets, honey, wasn't nobody coming up to me except dudes who looked like Bubba Sparks. Okay, these independently <laughs> wealthy white men. I, 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 these fine ass men. I wish they would share it as well. These, it's probably one of those uh, things where, when you roll in those circles, you have you're rubbing elbows. I know that like over the summer a couple times we went to the Hamptons because my boyfriend mm-hmm. had some friends who got a beach house over the summer so that's kind of not a life that I live I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy myself so much because the crowd was a little more uh, you know they weren't really my type of crowd but mm-hmm. if a girlfriend wanted to meet an independent <laughs> wealthy white man I would probably bring her with me the next time we go to the Hamptons because scouts and managers mm. you know the guy who's who bought the house or who gets the house for the summer he's a sports agent so oh, there wow. were agents there were basketball players and there were just kind of businessmen and people in that circle so I just kind of was like oh okay it wasn't really <laughs> my scene but I imagine like for the Eves and the um, Monietas if that's your scene and you're in the Hamptons and it was like a mixed crowd but it was predominantly mm. white me and my boyfriend were like the two couple of brown faces and then there were a few others but I imagine that when you're invited to those kinds of things you have that opportunity to mingle and rub elbows with that and you can meet okay. your husband yeah I understand so. that but I'm talking about these regular girls that I'm seeing like just just regular middle of the road sisters like myself where, where, oh, are okay. these, where, where are they meeting these white men like on that's TikTok. a good question TikTok there's this whole trend of like this little song they play and they're like I'm dating a white boy now and they're showing like all the like affection and money and showering they're getting <laughs> um, with these white men. I find it a bit to be a bit on the fetishy side because yeah. I don't I don't think that's cool to fetishize people in that way. Yeah. yeah. If you love somebody, you love somebody, so mm-hmm. be it. But I don't like the fetishizing of relationships on like either that. end. Exactly. On either end. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But they all they but they but all the men are fine, girl. Like they are fine. <laughs> Like, 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 they're looking like, like, um, what's my boy name? Like Thor. Yeah. I'm like, how you find this man that looks like Thor just at the grocery <laughs> store, honey? Like, what in the world? <laughs> but anyway. Oh my goodness. That's funny. Really but anyway, funny. did you hear about Tori Hart? And that's the one thing I want to talk about. Has made the decision that she would never kind of bash Kevin and mm-hmm. the way they co parent is like, and I really 
respect that. Now, let me say, speaking of Hollywood exes, I wasn't a fan of Tori, Tori Hart. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's she Tori. Was the, oh, she she mm-hmm. was kind of a mean girl. And I had mm-hmm. liked her up until that. I don't know if you watched it. But she did. did say after a film that she was hurting and she was going through a lot. Because I know that she had to kind of publicly watch her ex-husband move on with Aniko or whatever her name is. And that was hard for her. And that was painful. And then, of course, he spoke about her in his stand-up and... That must be so hard to go through. So I think that her nasty attitude on Hollywood exes was because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And we just know that that's a fact. But yeah, I did. I did see her interview where she talked about how they basically have this mutual respect. It kind of reminded me of me and my ex-husband where we've kind of made a conscious decision that we won't expose the kids to any ugliness or we'll do our best not to have that kind of tension in front of them. And that's even when we were living in the same house and Mm -hmm. we both were checked out and he was doing Mm -hmm. his little dirt and I was mentally checked out and planning Mm -hmm. my escape or whatever. (laughs) But we never kind of argued loudly in front of the kid or or at Mm -hmm. all really in front of the kids. I never told them any of the things he did. Which I think mm-hmm. is good and bad because it is yeah. good and that it protects them because they don't know. I don't want them to know that their dad mm-hmm. is who he is. I want them to mm-hmm. know like dad is dad and he loves us and he's mm-hmm. fun and he takes that's what they should know. But it also mm-hmm. makes it hard when you put out dad because then they don't understand everything was fine. You guys didn't have problems. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they're confused and then they're kind of angry at mom. Like, well, why can't right. you just back in a pot? So that's that. But no, we definitely made a conscious decision not to expose them to that. And so even today, we definitely still try to do things together as a family. And even when me and him have difficult conversations and there's tension, we don't do that in front of them and so I could like it sounds like what she was saying is that her and Kevin have that same kind of agreement where mm-hmm. they're not going to ever you know they're going to put the kids first so no matter what's going on between them or how she feels and how he did her and dirty that they don't deserve to hurt for them. and I really respected that I thought and that I, was really a big thing yeah and then the main other thing she was saying was that she was keeping her name because she said yes I earned it for that right you didn't ask for it back and she said I earned it Hell yeah, you earned that name. You earned that name, <laughs> I, sister. I had two kids with this name. Yeah. Man, I, just if you have kids, I think you, you know, it, it makes it, I can see if you, it makes it kind of difficult, especially yeah. like going to get the kids and all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And y'all don't all have the same name. For that name. reason, I would never, um, yeah, I would never yeah. change my name back. It wouldn't make yeah. sense. I know there's some women who actually feel empowered by going back to their maiden name and I get it and I respect that. But exactly as you stated, it's mm-hmm. more important for me that our names match. And that's for when I pick them up from school to when we're at the <coughs> airport. It just is mm-hmm. much easier. Mm-hmm. If I were to get remarried, I would definitely probably not do a hyphenated name, but I would change that. I would add it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would have two last names or replace my middle name or something. So I would add it, but I'm not going to let and whoever I marry is going to have to deal with that because <laughs> I definitely want my kids' names to match mine. So yeah, yeah. She I, her last name. So they're just going to have to totally two part women. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. it or three, me. including his mom and his current me. wife, his ex-wife, and his mother. Three yes. hearts. Mrs. Hart. All three of you turn around. It, it reminds me of that for? um that uh show. What was the name of that show? Was it All of Us? With uh with Tisha Campbell or something or an No, it was Lisa Ray. And they were talking Lisa Ray, about, yes, and yes. she was saying that she kept her um, last name, you know, um, because she was like, I I have a child and I don't, we have the same name. So, you know, I don't, that's my name, you know, I don't, you ain't getting that back. You ain't getting it back. Right. You ain't getting it back. 
but right, when I, I got want to give it back. And right, I, I when I got divorced the first time, I I went back to my maiden name for the simple fact that we didn't have children. I didn't have no reason to keep that name. And you felt no ties to that name. Absolutely exactly. none. It wasn't Absolutely like the family. None. Yeah. None, none whatsoever. And you know, I did. And want now you have a child, place. and you guys are the Richardsons. So right, right, it's right. Whole yeah, different to- totally, totally different. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, girl, those are the hot topics this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I know some good ones. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and come back, and we're gonna um, introduce our interview with Suleika Snyder. Stay awesome. tuned. All right, you guys, welcome back, and we're having an interview today uh, with Suleika Snyder. Um, just to do a brief intro, Selika Snyder is a contemporary romance author. She's written several books. Um, she's a contemporary uh, erotic and paranormal romance writer. Um, in an interview, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about her Indian American heritage, being from the Midwest, Chicago, mm-hmm. and how she wants to bring a, quote, different kind of daisy uh, representation in her romance writing. So, you all sit back and enjoy this interview, which was so insightful awesome. with my new fave, Suleika Snyder. So, you all stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Romance in Color, your uh, place for real inclusive love. I am Tati Richardson, and I am here with our Writing in Color author for this week, Suleika Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad to be here, Tati. Thank you so much for having me and coming on to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to, talk to you. It's like the perfect week because we're leading into Halloween. And I know you have some like little paranormal goodies for us. But before we get started talking about that, which I'm gonna admit I stayed up last night trying to get halfway through it to talk <laughs> to you today. I'm still not I'm still not finished now. But I'm like, oh God, I wanted to finish it. I wanted to finish it before I talked to her. I hope she's not mad at me. Um, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so yeah, so so tell us a little bit about like your author origin story. How'd you get started? And, you know, how'd you first fall in love with, like, romance novels and stuff? I mean, I've been kind of writing or storytelling since as long as I can remember. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember trying to write stories when I was really, really young. And and I've always been a voracious reader. Like, um, you know, I remember my mom still talks about how I would go get 10 books at the library and be done with half of them by the time we got home in the car. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that sounds like me. And so I feel like, and I was always reading above my grade level a little. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. at at some point, like between, you know, sixth grade and seventh, I think I was like, all right, I'm kind of, I've kind of read everything <laughs> in the YA section. Right. <laughs> Where do I go now? And um, I feel like that's kind of where I found, you know, I started with one or two romances, right? Like I found one in a, you know, I can't even remember where I found a copy of Liberal Spencer's Separate Beds. I just know that that was my first contemporary romance. I somehow stumbled upon it when I was in sixth grade or so. And then I distinctly remember uh, 
I think a Johanna Lindsay. I spent Ooh. like 20 years trying to figure out which Johanna Lindsay it was because all I could remember was that, like she had a lot of hair on the cover. Yeah. Which does not narrow yeah. it down, surprisingly. It really doesn't. Everything had a lot of hair back then. Everybody yeah. had a lot of hair back then. Um, mm. And and like Amanda Quick had just hit, you know, hit, hit uh, Jane Ann Krenz was started writing as Amanda Quick when I was like around seventh grade. So I fell, someone loaned me one of her like gothic castle, young mm. aunt shows up kind of uh, books and that was it. I think I was just hooked and I have been reading romance ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, and always trying to write romantic stories too. Uh, mm -hmm. not that they were any good back then. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of knockoffs of whatever I was watching. Like, okay, there's a gothic castle and, and the vampire's name is Jordan and, and the heroine's name is, you know, just makeup. Like, you know, we laugh about the violet-eyed heroines and all that. And mm -hmm. it was a lot of that. And mm -hmm. a lot of fan fiction. I was writing like 21 Jump Street fan fiction and whatnot. Wow. It was bad. <laughs> like this was before the internet. This is how old I am. I was hand writing 21 Jump Street fan fiction mm. on notebook paper. Uh, it was so, that's kind of my basic origin story. And I didn't really start writing professional, like professionally writing romance until about 10 years ago. So probably mm -hmm. around, I wanna say 2009, 2010 is when I kind of decided, okay, I can actually do this as a career. Let's try it. Um, mm -hmm. But up until then, it was kind of more, I wrote a lot of fan fiction. I had a lot of uh, terrible uh, works in progress moldering on the desktop. <laughs> 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 and then I uh, finally decided to get serious about it, you know? Mm -hmm. What made you like really want to transition from being like a, an avid reader to like writer? What was that kind of like light bulb moment that you were like, you know, I can do this? Like, do you step out on faith and you were like, I can do this? And what know. was your process like going there, like to 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 go into like the the modes of of publishing and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was always writing, and that just kind mm -hmm. of felt like breathing to me. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it was, it came so natural to me. Uh, especially when I did start writing less fan fiction and more original things, you know, a lot of very angsty poetry, a lot of very angsty uh, <laughs> short stories and books. Angst was a common theme from like, mm. you know, 13 to 26. <laughs> there was a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, who isn't angsty at that age? My God. Right. I was but, say um, that. I was like, everybody. <laughs> everybody. So I was always writing, but I couldn't. And I don't know. I think when I'm okay, so I moved to New York when I was 26, actually, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for a job, and ended up a, a few years later uh, joining the local RWA chapter because I was a reader and and I, you know, thought maybe maybe I can do this writing thing, you know, mm -hmm. and I think joining that community is where I was like, okay, yes, I can definitely do this thing, right? Because <laughs> right, I found a right. bunch of other people who got it, right, know? right. Yeah, and so, I had been posting on Smart Bitches Trashy Books for a long mm -hmm. time before that, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just felt like this is it. This is the time. Yeah, so that, so you finding your writing community was kind of like the spark for you to just dive in head first yes, yes. with writing. So what was, the, what was the first thing that you wrote that you were like, okay, I think I have something here. I have something that people will enjoy 
you know, because we all write a bunch of things before that that you yes. just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But what's the one thing that you wrote that you were just like, okay, I think this is the one. I think this is the one that's going to like hit people or, or reach people. Okay. The first thing that I actually finished that I was starting to shop around or consider was actually a young adult kind of high school set, mm-hmm. like uh, dealing with Hindu mythology and like time travel and a talking ferret like there was a lot going on (laughs) I thought oh yeah I can do this I'm gonna like you know I can I can shop this it's it's I felt pretty confident and then I realized no it's a hot mess (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. but it was the first thing that I had managed to finish where I was like okay um this shows me that I'm I'm capable of doing right And right, I spent about right. a good year, the first, I think, two years in my RWA chapter talking about the ferret book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, okay, the ferret book's not going anywhere. Because <laughs> uh, also because I wanted my lead character and her love interest to have sex. And I realized uh, that at that point in YA, like, that was a no-no, right? You right, have to right. Right. So I was like, okay, um, and I started trying to rewrite it, I think. And then I was just like, nah, and I put it away. Mm-hmm. And I started working on Bollywood romances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those yeah, are what I actually started trying to submit to small presses. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so so that first series was like the Bollywood is it the Bollywood confidential series? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is. So so I, I I dug kind of into those and was like researching those and I was like really fascinated. <laughs> I know you're a second generation um yeah. Jesse author and and you know infusing your culture and stuff like that is important and as a fan of Bollywood movies and cinema I was like so intrigued because not only in this series you have like you know the 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 male female romances and stuff but you have right. some queer stuff going on you got some like poly stuff going on like that's a little out of the norm for like a Bollywood movie <laughs> a Bollywood you know set I bit off more than I can chew. Let's be honest. Yeah, but how did you come up with it? I mean, I think it's I think it's innovative. I think it's I think it was ahead of its time, quite honestly. Had I released it a couple of years later, I think it would have done mm -hmm. really well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually kind of funny because I feel like I've come full circle in terms of writing diverse books with South Asian protagonists and poly Mm -hmm. relationships. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't really know what I was doing with those Bollywood stories. Right, right. And now, now with Big Bad Wolf and Pretty Little Lion, there is actually a poly relationship in it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm finally mature enough to like really write it correctly. Like one of the big complaints about that initial Bollywood series is that it's not real. It's kind of half-assed in its polyness. Mm. I admit it because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. You know, Mm. I was throwing a lot of things at the ceiling to see what stuck. Mm. Um, Mm. And that first story, Spice and Smoke, it's like two stories stapled together, badly Mm. stapled together. Mm. I think there's some thumbtacks and some gum involved. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, even when I reissued it after my small publisher closed, I had to reissue all three of those stories around like Uh 2014. Uh And I had to put a, I put a note at the beginning of Spice and Smoke that was basically like, I'm sorry, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I mean, it's, it's, 
it, you know, that's the subtext of that note at the beginning. Like it says, mm -hmm. it says it much more nicely, but the mm -hmm. subtext is, this sucks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm so hard on myself. And I went and I read that and I was like, this was the first thing I tried to put on sub. What was I thinking? Mm. Um, mm. You know, and, and it, I've gone back a few times and tried to rewrite it. And then I was like, never mind. Let's just let it stand as is. It is like, what, like three different couples, queer pairings on a Bollywood yeah. set with like, yeah. it's, it's very, yeah, very ambitious. Uh -huh. Also, yeah, I just, here's a, here's an example of how I didn't know what I was doing. Two mm, of the characters, mm. uh, Avi and Michael, they uh, have relations on the roof of a building um, without any lube involved. Okay. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. That, that's uh, a person who should not be writing queer romance. Yeah. That, yeah. That's like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right? But, oh, I think, but I think this is, but I think what you're pointing out is so key. Like, you're so, I think you're so brave to say, hey, like, this was not my lane. And I was, I was really trying to, like, well, as they say, box above my weight class, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So, like, I think this is like something that off, uh, other authors and aspiring authors need to like learn, and 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 I, I think it's so awesome for you to say it here on the podcast because you know we get authors on here saying, "Oh, my first." Well, not all authors, but there are some authors that are like, "Oh, my first book was a hit, you know, <laughs> success. I knew what I was doing right away." But nobody talks about the yo, you know. I don't think I knew what the hell I was doing the first time around. Not saying any author. I don't. Any, if, if, if there are any authors listening now on the podcast, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Who are I will happily tell everyone when I screwed up. I'm like, yeah, Ooh. I didn't really figure out what I what my voice was until the third mm. book in that series, which is um, mm. Bollywood and the Beast. And mm. Bollywood and the Beast is one of my more popular romances. And because I figured out, you know, I figured yeah. out the voice. I figured out, I had a mm. concrete story. The second book in that series is a secret baby story and it did not work either. It tanked like a thing mm. that tanks. But Bollywood mm. and the Beast, I was like, okay, it's a Beauty and the Beast story. It's, a, it's an mm. American born, a protagonist who goes to India, you know, to become an actress. She meets a brooding guy in a dark castle type environment. I'm like, okay, you mm -hmm. can do this. This is good. And mm -hmm. it's bantery and angsty. And mm -hmm. I finally started figuring out what my wheelhouse was, you know, mm -hmm. but I had to like fumble. And I had some other like self pub thing, not self pub, but other small press stories that you should be just be thankful they've never seen the light of day that I like <laughs> put them in a vault somewhere and never mm. to be seen again. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. But, but so when you were, when you were doing the first two in that series and mm. then you got to the third and you're like, okay, this is my voice. Mm -hmm. this, this is, this is what I, what I should be, what kind of stories I should be telling. What was it about that story that you were like, okay, this is it. Was it because you were able to meld like the cultural aspects of, of Bollywood and, and stuff with like a modern spin? Was yeah. it was it like um I think was it like because, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I think it's because oh. I was finally, you know, writing a character who was American, 
right? Mm. Because the other two mm. books, I was trying desperately to write. I love Bollywood films. You love Bollywood films, mm -hmm. but we don't live there. We don't mm -hmm. live that life. So I was making things up about about the movie making process, about mm. what these people's relationships would be like. I did actually have a giant map of Bombay. So I made sure that <laughs> geographically I was at least correct. Right. But I didn't, you know, that's not my world. Why was mm -hmm. I writing something? I mean, when they say write what you know, to some, ex mm -hmm. to some extent, they're correct. I know nothing about growing up in India because I didn't grow up there. I visited. Mm -hmm. So I think with Bollywood and the Beast, um, Rocky grew up in America. Her mom is white. My, my parents are both Desi. Uh, we're both Desi. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, I got to talk about her being American and that culture clash. Right. And, and right. so I think um, that's where I kind of realized you know, I can write about Indian people in America. I don't have to take them to mm -hmm. India. Right, know, it's, right, it's not, right. It's not selling out to write about the American Indian experience. No, because it, that's an experience all itself. That's a unique experience all itself that needs to have its story told too. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. had to go through that evolution. And I feel like a lot of South Asian writers Mm -hmm. have to go through those sort of struggles before they figure mm -hmm. out exactly what their wheelhouse is. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, most of our stuff is lit fic, right? You've got like right. Arundhati Rai and Jhumpa Lahiri and mm -hmm. Vikram Seth, and it's all very literary tomes. Right, serious. Right? <laughs> Which is the yeah. last thing I want to write. But I still <laughs> thought I had to like write about India. Yeah. And I think I finally woke up and was like, no, I can just write about being here <laughs> and falling in love here. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, while Bollywood and the Beast is set in India, it, I think it just it was the start of me going, okay, so I can write American Desi characters. <laughs> and that's what, I, you know. This is kind of a little tangent, but like I'm thinking about stuff that's been like on Netflix and stuff like mm -hmm. that like never have I ever and all this stuff and yeah. do you think there's been like an explosion of like specifically Indian American stories um that you know people are kind of craving you know since like since you like put out your your Bollywood mm -hmm. confidential series like I don't know especially in YA I've seen a lot of you oh, know, tons. Uh, tons and tons of, of, of authors and stuff like that. But yeah. there have been a lot of contemporary too. But yeah. do you think that it's been like this huge explosion? And what do you think? What do you think is the reason behind some of that? Um, I think you know we're finally getting to a place where we have enough Asian Americans in positions of power or who have mm. enough clout to get these mm. projects made. You know, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, Mindy Kaling had to get to a point where she could executive produce things when she was yeah, just a writer yeah. in the office. There's no way mm -hmm. she could have done that. Right. But mm -hmm. now now she's got the clout to executive produce and she can be like, look, I want a TV show loosely based on my life. Right. right and right. Um, and there's more creators now. Right. So there's power mm -hmm. in numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and, and so like a decade ago when I was just starting out it was just like me Sonali Dev and Alicia Rai right and Alicia Rai was like a self-published goddess she was so mm -hmm. good at that and I think she mm -hmm. might have been with Samhain too like me um mm -hmm. and Sonali you know was was uh made a splash of Bali to Bollywood affair and traditional mm -hmm. now there's so many of us I don't know who half of the they see my bizarre. 
it's great. Like, I don't that need to know good, who everybody yeah. is. I should not yeah. be able to count the amount of Daisy writers we have on my hands, you know? Right, right. Or my but toe. then that, that allows you to discover new people and like, oh, okay, like, who is this person? Who, what right? are they about? You it know, makes me yeah. Happy because yeah. the more we have, the more people we have in creative fields, the more power we have. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think that's why there's an explosion now um, of not just Indian voices, but we're seeing like, seeing like, you know, cozy Filipino, you know, Filipino romance and yeah. Chinese American romance and, mm-hmm. you know, crazy rich Asians brought in a ton of money. It's not a really a romance, but, you know, Hollywood yeah. and the publishing houses are finally, finally starting to see that we've got money and we mm-hmm. will spend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. You know, and and we wouldn't have been able to do any of it had black authors and black creators not kicked the kicked the door down first. Yes, absolutely. Then, you know, the reason we're able to do that is be, and and black authors and black creators of films are still working their butts off, you know, to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we won't be seen and heard either until they get their due. I'm aware yeah. of that. And yeah, you know, um, it's it's just it's just how it has to be. But the more of us there are, the more we uplift each other. When we get mm-hmm. to the higher positions, you know, yeah. the more we'll see ourselves reflected. Yeah, you're so right. That's like super super powerful for you to say. So right, okay. and it brings like not only inclusion and awareness, but sort of like a unifying voice behind. You know, like not just saying we want bipoc characters or whatever if we're all unified and saying hey these vo- everybody's voice matters and everybody needs a seat at the table then we're going to be able to get these projects and things produced and 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 things published and produced and and put out there um in the atmosphere so i think that's super super powerful for you to yeah. say um so when you're writing stuff like you're talking about bollywood confidential and and talking about um daisy um author and identity and stuff like that how do you um avoid how do you bring in yourself culturally with without with a without playing into any types of stereotypes or tropes that may you know you know inhibit or 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 be like kind of at the forefront of folks minds when they think daisy Ryder. i mean i think to some extent some stereotypes are true, right? You can't help it. Like, <laughs> like okay, we we are as a people late to parties. We are as a people people who will leave the party to like stand in the doorway for fifteen minutes and be like, okay, we're leaving, we're leaving. Oh, do you want another cup of chai? Okay, I'll sit down. <laughs> that is not a, that is a stereotype, but it's true. I have like I have sat on the steps with my coat on while my mom and dad go back inside for a cup of tea. I'm just, yes. <laughs> so yes, yes. I mean that's what gives your books a bit, you know, that's what that's what the truth is, right? That's yeah, the it yeah. grounds it in that truth and that reality. So yeah, yeah some of the stereotypes are true. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is you kind of have to learn and grow as a writer to be able to like yeah put those aside like mm-hmm. you know the parents don't have to be strict the right um yeah one thing I love about an upcoming uh a book by a friend of mine Farah Heron she just wrote her first YA The Hero mm-hmm. in Bloom and the hero's parents are cool yeah yeah right they want yeah. she wants to be a fashion designer and they're supporting her being a fashion designer and I was like mm-hmm. yay 
I haven't really seen that before. Indian parents are always mean in these books. Or it's always Dr. Lawyer Engineer. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. So that was nice for her to flip that. Because if you think about it, our generation, we are the parents of teenagers now. So mm, yeah. I, think I, I would probably let my kid, I, I have no children, but I would let my kid be a fashion designer. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an author and I, you know, I didn't get that kind of support. <laughs> it was such a, and not to knock my family or anything, but you know how it is. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so yeah. it's nice that we can take these things and put in our own experiences now of being older, older Daisies mm-hmm. who, you know, maybe our parents paved the way or their parents paved the way, which lets us, gives us a little more freedom. Mm-hmm. And then we in turn give our kids more freedom. And I think that shows up a lot in our books, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah. Yeah. So my characters, a lot of my characters now, I mean, as I've progressed, I think my characters have gotten more progressive. You know, Mm -hmm. I uh, like I wrote a I don't even know, like I. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an example, but basically like. I mean, even the amount of sex my characters have. <laughs> Let's face it. Like I mean, that, like, okay, so like, we, I, I, you were thinking about an example. I was, I was gonna talk about uh, take a chance on me, mm-hmm. and I was like, Pinky, so, like, you know, she's so. I think she's progressive. Yeah. I think she's, you know, um, a person who's free sexually, and you know, she's she's not afraid to, you know, you know, go for what she wants and stuff like that and you know you know even though she's there to help her her family and stuff like that which is like the familiar connection is so there at the same time she's still her own person yeah and she's still like independent and still like you know I'm gonna do me I'm gonna you know get my get my satisfaction even if it's in the back of a truck you know (laughs) it's funny too because you know I was writing a lot of big city romances before that and this is also one of the first times where I was like let me write a character in like an area I grew up in. I was mm-hmm. one of the only, you know, South Asian girls in a small Midwestern town. Yeah. You know? So I understood how, how that felt. And I wanted, I mean, Pinky's, you know, a lot braver than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a lot, mm-hmm. I have not done anything in a parking lot. Okay. <laughs> but, but I, I, I liked being able to play with the environment I grew up in and, you know, what would a more liberal and and uh, brave young South Asian woman be doing in a town like that? What, you know, mm-hmm. if she's helping out her parents, how would she react? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so that was a lot of fun to be like, you know what, if she wants to hook up in a parking lot and nobody sees her, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, because that's what the other kids are doing. That's what the other people are doing in town. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a small town. What's there to do but hook up and, you know. Exactly. Hook up. <laughs> small towns, all you have to, the only thing there is to do is hook up and drink, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so, so for in, in that book, so I actually read the book and then I turned around and I listened to the audio book, mm-hmm. which was, <laughs> which was so good. And um, I was like, you know what? I said, I wonder if, so they could got any like pushback for like her characterization of like Pinky. Then people say, oh, she was going too far with it. Was she like too that if people think she was too wild or I no. don't know if you read your I don't know if you read your reviews or anything oh, like that. Sometimes. But 
but um <laughs> any author who says they don't read their reviews is lying I know <laughs> I mean it's okay you tell yourself mm-hmm. it's okay we tell ourselves we don't read the reviews but then mm-hmm. it's like you know you go open the bag of potato chips and you eat them in the middle of the night right 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 <laughs> right Right. Yeah, so you can't that, just eat one. Yeah. Right. Then you start, oh my God, I'm at the end of the Goodreads list of, how did that happen? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really gotten into, like, pushback individually mm-hmm. um, for my heroines. I do mm-hmm. get a lot of pushback in general for the amount of sexual activity in my stories. Mm. And that's kind of why I just keep making them sexy. I'm like, well, if that's exciting, <laughs> you should clearly keep doing it uh, <laughs> you know wow. early on too when I was writing the Bollywood stories I would sometimes mm-hmm. get I didn't have a huge audience back then I you know I had a mm-hmm. smaller crop of readers and I would occasionally mm-hmm. get like South Asian people who were kind of like this isn't how it works this isn't how we talk and I'm like are you all of India no <laughs> right right <laughs> do you right. know every single Indian no <laughs> right right mm-hmm. but um you know I think now that people have sort of figured out that this is how my books are, I don't get mm-hmm. quite as much individual criticism, but more of an overall, okay. wow, Suleika's books are really filthy. Yeah, <laughs> Which... yeah that, it was steamy now. Like I was, like I said, I tweeted you and I was like, ooh, like, ooh, Lord. Like this, <laughs> this yeah. was a lot. Like I was like saying it myself, like, okay. <laughs> like this is, ooh, my armpits are sweating. Like this is... <laughs> yeah, that's a great compliment. Can I like, like, like that ooh, a blurb somewhere? My armpits are sweating. <laughs> that's a great full quote. No, yes. But... And also how liberal my books are, right? Like I can't yeah. get my politics out of my books. So mm. even in Take a Chance on Me, there's like little bits of my politics slip in there, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. it's even more so in the, in the new Paranormal series where my politics mm-hmm. are. So th- a lot of the reviews are kind of like, they're either blatantly like, I don't like the politics or they'll say something that's sort of like benign, but passive aggressive. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, when they say, like, I couldn't relate to the characters or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, that's a dog whistle. It is. So there's, you know, I couldn't relate to this story. It just felt a little too dark. It made, you know, whatever. And I'm like, ah, okay. You didn't like the politics. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. but, but, I mean, if they look, I mean, if they look past the politics in the, the, third chef series mm-hmm. I mean you know, we can talk about that now because like how in the like how in the world first of all let's talk about world building first of all <laughs> what in the world possession, <laughs> possession <laughs> to make this like world with all these shifters and vampires and well, I can't even name all the stuff in, right. <laughs> in here I was like where so this is like a, a, a near future correct yeah, where like these people are like now it's basically taking place around 2021, 2022. When did you start writing the this series, like the first one, Big Bad Wolf? When did you yeah, start writing very, that? Yeah, the very first iteration was around 2013 or 2014. Right, was this one? I can't mm-hmm. remember which one I wrote first, the second book or the the first one. But oh wow, yeah, they were both on my hard drive forever. Mm-hmm. and I just like half fin- partially finished like the, a couple mm-hmm. chapters a piece mm-hmm. and everybody was human in those mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, I started the second one first because I had a massive crush on Idris Elba and Luther. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I was like, I want to write like a Idris Elba hero. And that's Ooh, Elijah in, in Pretty Little Lion. Oh, yeah. But like, I couldn't get the story to quite work. It was just too convoluted. So I put mm -hmm. it away. Mm -hmm. But then when I started working on Big Bad Wolf, I want to say a few years later, mm -hmm. um, it was just a stand, again, had a crush on John Bernthal playing the Punisher. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I want to write a Punisher-y love story. Mm. And he was human in that original text. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and I shopped and I actually managed to, did I finish it? No, I didn't finish it. I had enough to, to put on submission though. Mm -hmm. So my agent sent it out and that was around, I want to say 2018. Mm -hmm. And little did I know that there was a rom-com boom coming. So, you know, right. it was the worst time to be shopping <laughs> a dark vigilante story yeah. where he kills a bunch of Russian mobsters. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> so it got summarily rejected, but there was one editor who was kind of like, I really like the voice here. So that was kind of positive. Mm -hmm. And so you asked what drove me to, to do this world building. I'm like, desperation. Yeah. Honestly, it was desperation. Mm -hmm. Because what mm -hmm. I did was, it was kind of like, before I shoved this in a drawer forever, let mm -hmm. me try one last thing to, 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 to make it palatable to mm -hmm. an editor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why don't I turn him into a werewolf? <laughs> Amazingly, turning him in, apparently it's okay to kill people if you're a werewolf, but not if you're a human. That is what I heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a human hero. Your human hero can't kill people. Your werewolf hero can do it with impunity, apparently. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 So that was interesting. And that's, that's, so that's how that change happened. And then, of course, I had to be like, oh, crap. Now I have to turn half the cast into paranormal creatures. <laughs> now I have to figure yeah. out why they're why they're there. You mm -hmm. know, and and so that's when I started building kind of the rules. And obviously by then, you know, a certain person had been in the office for a couple of years and mm. things were just awful all around us. And mm -hmm. I started channeling a lot of that fear and that angst into the world of Big Bad Wolf. Like what would our world what's our world going to look like in a couple of years? Yeah. And, yeah. and I was thinking worse, right? I was mm -hmm, thinking more border mm -hmm. camps, more restrictions. Mm -hmm. What if the sanctuary cities were literal sanctuary series mm -hmm. cities? And once I started asking all those questions, you know, the bigger world of Big Bad Wolf and Pretty Little Lion emerged. Yeah. Cause I definitely got the sense of the, of the politics of the time. Like, like, I guess why I asked, like, when did you start writing this? I was like, it had to have been like during the height of the whole yeah, other, yeah. other. Well, I'm not gonna mention the name, other, other administration. Because I was like, there's so much about segregation, prejudice, mm -hmm. um, so much about like um, this, this idea of otherness. Yeah. Um, and this idea that this otherness is dangerous. Um, yeah. and so that because of this otherness like I think I, and maybe I'm misquoting or maybe I misread um and you can please correct me because I, I thought at one point I read that the shifters and the changers and the different people had to walk around with ID or something like that um 
Um, like they were, oh, they were working on legislation. Yeah, they're working on legislation to try and register. Yeah, register. Yeah, and I was like, this is so like, I was like, this is just reminiscent of what was going on, right? You know, before and still, you know, we still have remnants of that, you know, going on now with exactly, you know, Haitian refugees coming and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, I was just like, yeah, I I totally see how the the political part was 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 kind of sprinkled mm-hmm. in here and there um and this idea of this like whole group of like people with like these innate abilities who are mm-hmm. gonna like be like the justice league <laughs> of <laughs> vampires warriors and shifters <laughs> but also like they're like, just regular people to yeah. a certain extent too right like they ride the subway they go to work they have coffee cups on their desks mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know i wanted to make sure they were all very grounded in in the new york i love and lived in you know which mm-hmm. is a, a mm-hmm. very diverse very real new york it's not shiny it's not they're not all billionaires i just have the one white billionaire that everyone makes fun of for being rich mm-hmm. and white mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but, but like i i wanted to make sure that they are also just people because mm-hmm. um and that i had you know in a lot of paranormal uh you know the werewolves and the vampires are metaphors for otherness and discrimination mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i wanted to make sure i actually had people who who do experience it as humans I want you know I didn't right. want it to be a metaphor so my heroines are all South Asian you know they're mm-hmm. black characters there's a Korean cop in the first one and mm-hmm. don't worry he actually leaves the police force by the end I know that's a spoiler but <laughs> because we were going through when I was in revision I'm reading backwards thanks a lot Felica because I'm reading backwards I'm reading the other the second yeah. book first well thanks Danny. a lot <laughs> Danny's adorable and I love him, but halfway through the book, I want to say I was in revisions when, maybe when George Floyd happened. Mm. I'm not even sure, but I just remember being like, oh gosh, he cannot stay a cop at the end of this book. Right, right. Wow. I I was just, I just, I was just like, I couldn't do it. It, it, There was a pit in my stomach and I I was like, I couldn't justify him staying, you know, so in revisions, Mm. I changed that and I added things, you know. and especially since I know um, there was an Asian cop involved in that, right? And he stood right, the was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I made sure in Big Bad Wolf to actually reference that he, you know, he was aware of that. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, so there were a lot of things going on around us that I, that impacted how I wrote those books or what I was doing when I revised them. And, um, you know. Mm. Now so a lot. <laughs> Go on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, okay. but, but I was like, where do you see this series going? So 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 the first book was Big Bad Wolf. Mm-hmm. This book that's coming out on the 26th is um, Pretty Little Lion, which mm-hmm. is, like you said, features Elijah and, and I hope I'm saying the name right, Megna? Yes. Megna? Yes. Megna. Okay, Megna. Yeah. Um, who also has in eight abilities too. Yes. And it's and also it's kind of infused with like maybe some Hindi mythology. Yes. Can you yes. talk can you talk a little bit about that too? And yeah. how you kind so, of like like infuse that in her character? Yeah. So again, like the initial draft of this, they were humans and there was some spy jinx going on and like a, a criminal. <laughs> But it was just like, it was a hot mess. Again, I was writing something I didn't really know. I was setting it mm-hmm. and, you know, I was trying to write a black James Bond, right? Basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
I was like, that's nothing I actually know anything about. So when I mm. came back and I decided to connect it to the world of Big Bad Wolf, um, you know, Elijah became a lion shifter. And then Meghna, I think originally she was a celebrity, but she was like a CIA asset. And then mm. I was like, do I really want to involve the CIA? No, <laughs> no, mm. I do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Again, I'm so so again, my my personal politics. I was like, wait, no, don't want her to be a CIA asset. So what can she be instead? Mm-hmm. And and that's when I started thinking, well, why isn't you know why isn't she a supernatural being too? And why don't I look at my own, you know, my own culture? And mm-hmm. that's when I came up with her being an upsara. Upsaras um, are like nymphs from eastern mythology they're not just indian mm-hmm. there's also i think cambodia has has upsara mythology mm-hmm. maybe thailand and, and too you know so it's you know south south asia and southeast asia okay uh, and they're basically like just nymphs with who can charm um in hindu mythology the upsaras were dancers in the court of uh the lightning and thunder god Um, Mm -hmm. all accomplished in music and dance and the gods would occasionally send them to earth to break the meditations of the great sages Mm. Uh, because if these great sages got too much you know achieved a higher consciousness what do you need god for right 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 So so they would send these beautiful women down to sort of like you know shake it in front of these very starved <laughs> men on mountaintops, mm-hmm. uh, according to mythology, right? And so right. I found that really fascinating, but also kind of degrading. Like, really? These mm-hmm. women have nothing better. Like, that's their job? Right, Singing, right, Dancing right. And, and tempting men? Ew. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if they got mad and turned it into, like, a social justice group themselves? So, yeah. So I created this sort of, supernatural network of not just upsaras but also of like genies you know so uniting both like middle eastern and islamic uh female uh deities and and male ones too all Mm. in this secret network that was trying to combat oppression and evil Mm. Mm. and uh, Mm. using their powers for good and maybe a little murder you know I like the. I mean, I love the premise. Like, I'm not. I'm, I'll, I'll admit, I'm not normally a paranormal person. Mm-hmm. But when I I really got into this, I was like, there's more to it than just people just shifting and biting off heads and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, because that's that, that's not really my ministry. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like there's more to it. It's like there, there's not only the steamy sex. There's not only the the kind of like cat and mouth game that they're playing, but also you know there's this kind of underlying. Um, like we're we're doing this for the greater good type yeah. of thing that I really really like. So yeah. I was like I was like okay, so this is like a little different than 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 what I would normally think. Like say a, you know, I, I don't know, I don't have any other you know reference for paranormal stuff other yeah. than like Twilight and stuff like that. Right. Um, but you know, I was like, oh no no, this is definitely rooted in something cultural, something important, and you know, which made way more sense to me than just, oh, I want to just fight somebody because they smell good, you know? Right, <laughs> so, right. You know, it was definitely more about, okay, I need to seduce this person because I need information. Right. And I need to seduce this person because they're an asset 
You know what I'm saying? Like a target. So I can and, get uh, you know, I strongly imply that Magna has left a trail of bodies across the world. Yes, yes, you know, yes. That she does yes. that. She'll she'll like, I don't, you know, it's up to you to assume whether or not she sleeps with everybody. She's not she doesn't mind. She's okay with being doing sex work. Like she's right. upfront about it. She's totally okay with doing sex work. But really, mm-hmm. most of that is usually just to get information or to kill somebody. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah. when she meets Eli, I don't want to give away the book. Yeah. I do not want to give away. The book. But when she meets Elijah, things turn a little different because she's like, hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I think this is more. There's more to it here right. than just okay, you know, sneaking off in a broom closet or whatever, right. and you know, doing what I need to do. So like you know it's just it's just I don't know I don't want to give it away oh my lord I don't want to yeah I mean basically I they end up, yeah they each think the other is their mark at that beginning right like, right like they're like both undercover with their thing. own agendas and they both think yeah. the other person is their mark and they mm-hmm. both get really surprised by how much chemistry they have mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. But that's not really, there's like something happens while they're doing their hookup and their little dance that kind of makes them have to make a snap judgment about trusting each other. Right, right, they're right. They're kind of right. forced together at that point. And she ends mm-hmm. up going back to his headquarters and kind of seeing that he has this whole operation with like friends and people with desks and yes. people who joke with each other and, and her network, the Upsara network, which is called the Vidrohi, uh, yeah. that's Sanskrit for the rebel. Mm-hmm. So they're the rebels. They don't really have a formal, they don't have an office. They don't really, mm-hmm. they're, most everyone is really on their own. So when she sees that this is a group of people more or less doing the same thing that she's trying to do, but they're doing it together, that kind of blows her mind. Yeah. She's like, you know, and so uh, it's it's also really about not just doing it for the greater good, but also doing it for people you love. Yeah, and, we, and I got the sense that Magna has been on her own for a really long time and yeah. that she really hasn't had a connection like I think there's a mention of a mother or whatever but still yeah. there's no familial connection nothing no. to keep her kind of rooted and grounded so no. she's been kind of floating here there and everywhere yeah. you know doing what she has to do for this connected exactly she, she connections really shallow like she has a celebrity mm-hmm. text thread you know mm-hmm. quasi Chrissy Teigen esque text thread with like a bunch of celebrity friends yeah I think I I didn't refer to how many towels you have I did I think I made a reference to how many sheets you have but yeah you know so she's got those shallow relationships that come with being you know visible and a celebrity but Mm -hmm. in terms of having like real connections that's not something she could afford to do and and Mm -hmm. that's part of her journey in this book as they're trying to fight you know, the bad guys and trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the suspense mm. plot. You mm-hmm. know, the other arc is her learning to trust. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Elijah, I think I've had a, a few complaints that Elijah doesn't really have an arc. And I'm like, that's okay. I think she's troubled enough for both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody doesn't need to have this big, yeah, these really large nice GMCs person. going on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's the most, he's the nicest protagonist I've ever met. <laughs> he's so well adjusted. He's got like a mom yeah. and a bunch of sisters. Like, yeah. he's a good dude. And I was, uh, and I needed somebody to be a good dude, you know? Because yeah, yeah. Not everybody in these situations has to be dark and brooding. Yeah. You know? And Magnus seems like she deserves a good dude. Yeah. Based yeah, on he's, 
kind of what she's been through in her life. Exactly. And and mm-hmm. I think it's important. Yeah, like writing a, a scowly ex-con like Joe in the first book. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah. also, you know, you got to praise the good men and, uh, mm. you know, the ones who try and walk the, the right path from the beginning <laughs> don't have to be mm. shoved there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, it was really important for me to make Elijah not just her pillar of strength, but kind of like the strength for everyone in, in the team, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you. I think you have a thing for like undercover people because you got undercover guy and yeah. take a chance on me. Yep. <laughs> undercover people in this one. I do. <laughs> undercover totally sweat. Like, I watch a lot people. of cop shows and a lot of soap operas. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so many soap operas. I can see that. Yeah, I definitely see that. I was like, yeah, she watches a lot of like CSI or something. Yeah. <laughs> So what has been the what has been the best part about I guess your journey to being published and and particularly this series what's been the best part about like putting this kind of third shift series together which is a lot different from the other stuff that yeah. you wrote I think you know learning more about myself as a writer and that I could mm-hmm. do this like this was completely mm. outside I've written a few short paranormal things in some of my anthologies uh-huh. but like you know, writing paranormal a full length was like a huge challenge for me, especially since mm-hmm. I've never written anything longer than 50,000 words. Mm-hmm. These had to be 80 minimum, 80,000 words minimum. Yeah. So I had yeah. to figure out, I mean, I had to teach myself how to write novel length and I did it, you know? So for mm-hmm. me, there's a, a victory in the fact that I tried something completely brand new to me in terms of genre and, you know, style and length and I was able to do it especially and during some of the hardest times we've had in recent history like that second book was like full in the middle of the pandemic when I was revising it and Mm. uh finishing it actually no when I was finishing it last summer Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. was excruciating finishing Pretty Little Lion Mm. you know as we were all worried about lockdown and masks and like what we didn't even really know what was happening in the world. Right. Um, and so how do you write a book in the middle of that? And somehow so many of us did. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I've learned about myself is that you, even when things are awful and hard and stressful, like mm-hmm. I can do this. The creativity is there. Right. And, um, right. And that I've grown as a writer, you know, mm. like, as I said, in that first Spice and Smoke, there's a, it's not Polly. It's, you know, there's an open marriage with a couple and they each fall in love with someone else. And, um, you know, there's four of them, I think, laying in the bed together, but not, you know, not actually touching one another. The two couples are right. separate. That first one. Right. You know. Now I'm brave enough to actually be like, no, these people all love each other. Right. And, and I can handle it with a maturity, you know, instead of, I feel like back then I was still in that tee-hee phase. Like, tee-hee, <laughs> they're having sex, tee-hee, <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, yeah. tee-hee, they're having sex <laughs> on a roof. Um, and now it's like I, I have the narrative maturity to be like, no, these are logical con- progressions of their relationships. Yeah. Like, if they're having sex, it's because they're emotionally there. And, um, mm-hmm. or they're just you know, horny. There's, there's that. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> right. 
that sometimes it's a it's a, a means to an end there exactly, exactly. so I, ju- I just think that yeah my journey has taught me a lot about what I'm capable of and how much I've changed and grown and matured as a writer mm-hmm. you know and how much the so, community has helped with that you know yeah yeah, yeah. so so speaking of community how do you like if, if there's a way for you like let's say you get stuck on something or you're just like in the weeds don't know where to go have a serious writer's block is there are there like a community of writers that you lean on for help or do you how do you get yourself out of that kind of rut when you're just like totally stuck yeah like on a project or in a place yeah well I tend to have months and months of not being able to write it's it's a I think wow. it's a function it's probably a function of having ADHD and also mm. I've been battling you know, depression for most of my life and anxiety mm. as well. So I go through very extensive dark periods mm. where writing is impossible. Most everything is feels impossible, but especially right. writing. And at that point, there's no helping, you know, no amount of, of and I just have to ride it through. Mm. But when I'm, when I am in the middle of a project and, and, and get stumped, I luckily do. I have a whole group of South Asian writer friends Um and we kind of share experiences and lift each other up and cheer mm-hmm. for each other. And mm-hmm. so I can, I take things to them. I have like a little DM group on Twitter that I do you know, <laughs> really close friends um, who I adore um, friends like Melissa blue and Charlotte Stein, you know, I'll mm-hmm. bounce things off of them. Uh, when I was stuck trying to finish pretty little lion last fall, Zoe Archer had me doing sprints with her. Because I was mm. just <laughs> Zoe Archer, aka Eva Lee. So yeah, what I love about this community is that you can reach out. You know, I think I had tweeted that I was like really having trouble, and like five minutes later, Zoe's in my DMs going, "Do you need you need a sprint partner? I'm here." <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. You know, yeah. and and again, like that's the great thing when you find your people, you know, obviously mm. not everyone's your people. <laughs> there are yeah. some people you should never turn your back on because they're probably going to stick a knife in it. Um, <laughs> but let's, yeah. you know, like in any business, but when you find your people who understand you, who understand your process, you know, that it's so nourishing. Mm. And even just, you know, like, the greater romance Sandia community. Yes, it can be really messy sometimes. Yeah. But okay, most of the time it's messy. But <laughs> but it's also so like again, like we pull together when needed. And, you know, we're all united in our love of Beverly Jenkins. Miss Bev's the of best. Course. No. She's of a course. unifying factor for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't like her, don't talk to me. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean I I mean, I, I just, she, um, she means a lot to me too, actually. She means a lot yeah. to a lot of us younger writers of color yeah, because absolutely. she has uplifted all of us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She talks us all up. She, mm-hmm. you know, she, I don't know. We, we've been out to dinner with her during RWAs and things like that. And you'd be like, Miss Beverly Jenkins wants to talk to me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what yeah she does yeah she does and she's not the Mm. only one so many of these you know beloved authors that we started out reading you know open the door for us so we can come into or they put you know they put the ladder down so we can climb up behind them yeah and if we didn't have that we wouldn't be here you know 
Yeah. Um, so those are the do good want, things about the community. <laughs> do you want your career to also be that way for other like South Asian writers? Yes. Yeah. I mean, whether I don't have any more books come out after this, whether I do, what I hope is that me being out here at all helps the people coming in after me. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I want. I want, I want to get to the point where, you know, the 11 year old South Asian girl sneaks into the library to read a naughty romance and it's my book that she's reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. Be like, oh, look, they look like me. You know, mm. they mm. act like me. They, they, you know, they grew up here and, mm. and they're still falling in love and just, yeah. So I want yeah. that. I want younger readers and younger writers, you know, to have bigger and better opportunities than we had when we were growing mm. up. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're coming to the last part of our interview where oh. I'm going to give you like some rapid fire questions. I know it's time to go by so fast. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. I've enjoyed talking questions. to you, so. I know, I know. So I'm going to give you a few questions and you just give me like the first answer that pops on the top of your head. Okay. So um, your favorite book as a kid? The Wolves of Willoughby Chase by Joan Aiken. Oh, wow. That was quick. <laughs> yeah, I love that book. I have a copy of it on my shelf right now. I, oh. Yeah, it's really cute. It's, uh, yeah. next one? Oh. Or do you? Uh, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep, you had some more to say about the book. I was like, oh, good time. Oh, I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just about these little kids in like a, you know, in Britain and they go off on their own and, and, you know, the parents are nowhere to be found and they go on an adventure and, you know, it was very appealing to, uh, to young me. <laughs> so, um, were you, are you, do you like writing heroes or villains? Heroes. Heroes. Um, yeah. Okay. Love scenes or dramatic arguments? Which ones do you like writing? Love more? scenes. <laughs> I don't like it when people fight. <laughs> I don't like people fighting. I just don't. Why fight when you can kiss? That's true. That is very true. Sometimes yeah. the fighting leads to kissing. That's true. But that's that also good. Yeah. That's good. Where's your favorite place to write? I think I'm sitting in it right now. It's like the corner of my couch. Like I always set up in the corner here, like in the little crook of the arm. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a desk or anything, so this is where I do most of my writing and podcasting mm. and everything. <laughs> <laughs> what is the last romance novel that you read? Oh my gosh. The last romance, I don't know if this counts as a romance, well, it kind of is. The Haunting of Maddie Claire by Simone St. James. I just finished it last night. I was rereading it. So it's a gothic mystery, but there's a huge romance. There's a big romance in it too, so. Mm -hmm. Romance, romance, the plots count too, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do you write to music? And if so, what type of music do you listen to? Mm -hmm. I can't write to music because then I get distracted by the music and I stop writing. <laughs> Like, I can't. Even if I, it has no lyrics? Even if it has no lyrics. Like, if, you know, and I've, because I've tried. And even if it has no lyrics, I will start tuning in to, like, like if it's the Lord of the Rings soundtrack or something, right? Like, <laughs> I, I will still key in to the music and forget all about what I'm writing. So, mm. yeah. Okay. So, if someone was, like, new to romance, what authors old and new would you tell them to read first? Oh. Gosh, um, Beverly Jenkins, of course. 
Lisa Klebus, Jeannie yeah. Lynn. Um, who else? I mean, those are my my first top three off the top of my head, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alyssa Cole, Courtney Milan, mm-hmm. um, Holden New. There's just so many books. I want to recommend them all. <laughs> like, like, I, think, I, think, I think you've covered a lot of bases old and new, though. Right, right. You got to listen to the person's ear off until they were like, okay, shut up already. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're one of your books was cast as a movie, who would you have to play the lead? <laughs> all right. So take a chance on me. I really would love it if it was turned into a movie. And I kind of like... I want to say Liam Hemsworth because Chris is, Chris Evans was kind of like my mental picture but he's gotten a little older and I feel like yeah, Liam Hemsworth yeah. is still a little younger and still in the right age bracket to play trucker yeah so um yeah mm, mm. and who would you have for the female lead? oh gosh I keep looking for a perfect pinky you know um mm-hmm. and like I even have like Pinterest boards where I like put my dream cast and I keep changing pinky every couple of years <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so um do you have speaking of movies is there a best like book to movie version that you've seen or do you think they all like suck oh my <laughs> uh i mean i know there are some good book to movie uh i think offerings like i'm gonna earn the wrath of people when i say that i think Bride and Prejudice is way better than Bride and Prejudice. <laughs> it's a musical with like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a big fan. Like I thought Bride and Prejudice with Aishwarya Rai was a great improvement upon Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> or like Clueless, you know, Clueless was a yeah. great rendition of Emma. I am like, yeah, yeah. To me. 10 Things I Hate About You is a, is a retelling yeah. of uh, uh, Taming of the Shrew. So right. I love that kind of thing when they take a classic book and they flip it a little mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I really enjoy yeah. it me too me too I feel like I feel like um I see a lot of South Asian authors do that with a lot of old Jane Austen and stuff like that and I wish I really wish more like authors would do the same because I've only seen a few versions like that like with yeah. like taking some other classes like that I've only seen that in cinema maybe a few times. Like a good example, like you use the Taming of the Shrew. A good example of that is like Deliver Us from Eva yes. with um, Gabrielle Union and um, LL Cool J. I've seen, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But <laughs> we haven't had a lot of those, you know, like that. Um, where do you see romance novels going in the next decade? Oh, gosh only knows, right? Because we are, right now we're going through this weird rebranding phase where they're calling it all rom-coms, even if there's no com. Right. I have no idea where we're headed, you know, Um, because every time we think we know what the trend is, we're, you know, we're kind of wrong. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't even begin to guess. I just hope everything continues to get more diverse, you know, more, more black, more black romance, more queer romance, more Indian romance, you know, Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. marginalized voices. Mm -hmm. There need to be, what I want is for there to be as many of us as there are of white romance novels yeah, <laughs> and straight yeah. romance novels. Yeah. Um, as to what will actually happen, you know, a lot of that depends on publishing. 
and Amazon as an entity and how much power it's going to wield mm. in the years coming forward, you know? Mm. So sure. it's anybody's guess. I just hope people keep writing and people keep reading. Yeah, yeah. And I think you answered this before, um, but when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books that you write? <laughs> I want them to say they had fun reading them, mm. that they... Mm gave them a glimpse of a different way to be they see and mm. you know maybe it was uncomfortable maybe it resonated but but they got something out of it it made them laugh you know it entertained them I don't need to be thought of as high art if it entertained you for an hour I've done my job and that's you know that's really all I need I just want to make people laugh and make people blush <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You definitely made, like I said, you definitely made me blush and made my armpits sweat. So that's a winner <laughs> for me. <laughs> that's a winner for me. So thank you so much, Suleika. This was like an awesome, awesome interview. Like I could keep talking to you on and on. Um, but where they, where can we find you on social media? And what's your next project that's coming out? <laughs> um, well, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter pretty much 24-7, so it's at Suleika Snyder on Twitter. I have a nominal website, you know, at SuleikaSnyder.com. I'm on TikTok and Instagram as well, um, but more sparingly than I am on Twitter. Uh, so I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, as for what's next, I don't know. I am going through another one of my burnout periods, which is unfortunate. Mm. So I'm mm. desperately trying to kind of get my mojo back and see what happens. Mm. Um, you know, might write a rom-com since that's the thing right now. <laughs> With actual comedy though. Like no, nobody, not as like a secret cancer patient parent, not, you know, or or something or some, you know, like just no one's parent will die of a heart attack. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, nothing too devastating. <laughs> right, actual comedy, like maybe, comedy. I don't know. So maybe that's that's next, I don't know. But whatever it is, we'll definitely be looking forward to it. But in the meantime, we're going to pick up uh, Pretty Little Lion on the 26th. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Awesome. And I love your writing. I'm definitely going to be digging back into your uh, back catalog of all your other stuff. Yes. You can let me know if you think Spice and Smoke is terrible. (laughs) I will let you know for sure. I promise. Thank you so much, Lega. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. All right, you guys, we are back. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Suleika Snyder. You can find her on social media everywhere at Suleika, S-U-L-E-I-K-H-A, Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, dot com so you can find her everywhere at twitter facebook instagram suleika snyder so she has a ton of stuff and i hope you all pick up her latest one which is pretty little lion paranormal uh romance mystery gangster type of uh nice. book so it's so good it's so good girl That's oh my awesome. god it's mm-hmm. so good it's so steamy oh my god anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> So you all reading romance, go pick up Pretty Little Lion by Suleika Snyder. So in this week's Watching Romance, you guys, guess what? It's time, it's time, it's time for the Christmas movies. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We are so hyped. We are so hyped for the Christmas movies. This is what I look forward to all year. My goodness. 
Yes, so we have a ton of movies coming on this weekend. Um, the first one is Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Christmas in My Heart with Cheryl Lee Ralph. It's oh, gonna be nice. at it's gonna be on, on the 23rd at 10 o'clock. Um, we have an Asian um led cast on Boyfriends of Christmas Past on Hallmark Channel on the 24th. And then we also have Santa Stakeout with, I believe it's Tamara Mowry. Um, it's going to be on um, the 24th as well. So you all, Hallmark is jumping off in October. They said bump Halloween. <laughs> we <laughs> no, to, I we get like, into Christmas. It's like every year it's a little earlier and I am not mad at it. I would I, you it. know, given the pandemic and everything like that, I am tempted to even yeah. put up my Christmas tree. They know but, that we need this. We yeah, need we this. need it. Yeah. We need it. We need it. We mm-hmm. need it. So, you guys, you all, um, make sure you set your DVRs. If you go to our Instagram page, our Twitter, um, and um, our Facebook group, we have links to the whole chart that has all the BIPOC and LGBT rep movies that are out for the season. It's a very, very long, comprehensive list. Um, some things are to be announced, okay. um, but I have most of the dates up there. Again, some, like I said, a few things are to be announced, but okay. I hope you guys kind of stick with it. And, and, you know, as we update, I'll update the list. But, I'm going to stick with um, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick beside it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you all take a look at the um at the page, and we have a lot of good stuff. Like they they are going to be knocking them out week after week, and as soon as November comes, it's nothing but Christmas movies, nothing but Christmas movies. So on the weekends now, they're also doing marathons of Christmas movies on Lifetime already. Mm -hmm. Yep, they sure are. They're doing the Mm -hmm. stuff from. From the um, last couple of seasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, are there any Christmas movies that you're looking forward to that we had on our list? I mean, I'm just about? looking forward to you know any of the Christmas movies with our queens, like who we dubbed our queens in the last mm-hmm. year. So of course the the Maury mm-hmm. sisters. I don't know if Keisha Knight Pulliam or Tatiana is going to have a movie this year. Oh I yeah, yeah, Tatiana got movies. Are. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, so that I'm happy about that. I saw Tia had a TikTok on the set of one of her movies, and hopefully Keisha does as well. And then I also love to discover new faces, and then to mm-hmm. some of our our Christmas kings. So mm-hmm. not anyone I'm looking forward to in particular, but I'm just like super excited. And yeah, Shirley yeah. Ralph. She was the mom in the Chris or the aunt. She was no, she was like the hotel person yes, for yes. this hotel or something. Yeah, the Christmas hotel. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed yeah. her in that. I so. love that. I love yeah. that one. Yeah. Like the only the that. only issue I have is Freeform usually has uh like Christmas movies, but they haven't really put anything out yet. They're okay. they're a holiday thing, but I don't think they really have anything. However, Disney does have a movie coming out with that fine ass Daniel Sinjada. Did you say Disney? Yeah, Disney. Oh, has nice. a, but but you know, ABC, Freeform, Disney, they're all owned by the same people. Okay. <clears throat> so um, they have a movie coming out with Daniel Sanjata called Christmas Again, which is sort of like a Groundhog Day type mm-hmm. Christmas movie. And Daniel Sanjata is so fine. Mm-hmm. If y'all don't know who Daniel Sanjata is, please Google him. He actually <laughs> is in one of my absolute, absolute favorite Christmas movies of all time, which is mm-hmm. called Noel. Um, so you all just, just go just Google him. He's so fine. Like I can't even like articulate how fine he is. But anyway. Okay. Um, but yeah, um in listening romance, again, I want to give another uh podcast shout out 
This week, I'm shouting out the Shelf Love Podcast with Andrea Martucci. Oh, did you say self love? Shelf love. Shelf love. Okay, shelf. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shelf Love Podcast with Andrea Martucci. Andrea is a really has become a really good friend of mine uh, via the Twitter streets and things like that. So she has um, a range of different podcasts and guests and stuff on with her from you know classic romance writers like uh, uh, Joanna um, Lively and stuff like that. Um, but she also has uh, Jackson on there. <clears throat> she also has new and up and coming uh, romance writers on there too. And she gives a lot of love mm-hmm. to black romance writers and mm-hmm. uh, LGBT rep and stuff like that. So y'all visit the Shelf Love podcast with Andrea Martucci. And, and, and I became friends with Andrea because I was looking for a particular book that was out of print. Okay. And I put it on Twitter. I was like, does anybody know where I can find this book called yep. um, uh, Gold Mountain by uh, Sharon Colors? And it's about an Asian man, black woman romance in the 1800s and in the like the gold rush in San Francisco and, um, by Sharon Colors. And she said, I have a copy. I'll send it to you. Oh, my God. And so that was amazing. so so nice she sent me a pdf of it i of course i consumed it Aww. in a couple of days and so we've been friends ever since so shout out to andrea martucci and her wonderful wonderful podcast but that's yeah. a beautiful thing okay we'll yeah, definitely check that out anything else you want to add to the to the list Nikini? no no listen no. to I'm or, just excited or... that insecure is going to be starting yes here. yes that's not listening but you know and watching i guess yes is insecure that the 25th sunday Sunday. This coming, oh, this coming. Yes, Sunday. yes. It's oh, start so Sunday. Our podcast on Friday, and two days later, you get insecure, baby. <laughs> yes. So we we have got to figure out if spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the last season, if, if well, you should have seen the last season. Go ahead. Yes, yes, it. yes. If Lawrence and Issa end up together, oh my. God. If, if if Condola goes through and has his baby, oh man. Oh, if man. if. I honest, honestly, I want her to get back with Nathan, but that's just my whole. I loved Nathan for her, and I felt that her and Lawrence kind of needed that time apart. They grew apart. Sometimes that happens, even yeah. with people who you think are your soulmate. So but I, think, I am mm, eager to see. I don't like this baby, this whole surprise baby fucking. I know you don't. I, I, you know I hate that. I, I hate know that you do. <laughs> I know you do. Oh, you know I hate that. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I, I, but you know, Nathan is my boy he, with his gorgeous self. Yeah. But and I'm curious uh, to see how Molly and Asian Bay, if they're, if they have, if a they work out, and then, and what's going on with Tiffany and her postpartumness. Yes. Yes. And can yes. we give Kelly a fucking real storyline? Yeah. And season? a man. Has she and a man. Exactly. Oh my gosh. A, a quality serious, man. A quality man. I'm, I'm so sick every... of her being the comedic oh yeah or the therapist started yeah yes, let's yes. let's change that up let's mm-hmm. yes let's please her. and bring back chad please mm-hmm. <laughs> like chad for the last season because that oh, was my man. boy i love me some chad mm-hmm. um but anyway you guys i hope you all have an amazing week i hope you yes. all enjoyed the podcast pick up some books by Saleka snyder and get into the Christmas season this weekend, along, along with Insecure. So, yes, yes. You all have an amazing weekend. Have a happy and safe weekend. And see you guys next time. See you guys next time. Later.